Hi, this is Chris Finch. I'm lead pastor of City Walk Church. I want to thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you don't already know, the best way to stay connected with City Walk Church is with our app. Just go to your device's app store and search City Walk Church to find it. Whether you've been a longtime follower of Jesus or you're just investigating faith, our hope is that this message will help you take your next step in that journey. If you're in the area, we would love to have you come join us in person. For more information or to plan your visit, check us out at citywalkchurch.com or on social media at WeAreCityWalkCA. Good morning. Morning, those of you that are watching online. You might be watching this at night online or listening to this on a podcast. We're glad that you're with us as well. Hope you guys had an awesome week. Uh, My family, we had a chance to, uh, my parents were in from, they were actually with us last week. Uh, They they spent about a week with us, and so they left on Tuesday. So we had a really good week, kind of getting reconnected with them a little bit. Uh, My mom and dad, they live in Alabama, and uh, I don't know, and I've, I've noticed I started to do this too, and so maybe this is an older age thing, but my mom and dad, they call us quite a bit, which we're thankful for. I'm thankful for technology so that we can stay in touch. Uh, even when we're not able to visit, but I've noticed my dad FaceTimes me now. So instead of calling me, all of us, he just, he FaceTimes me every time he wants to talk to me. So man, I'll be doing stuff and he'll, he'll FaceTime me. And I don't, and I, and what I found is I've, I've started to like once in a while, I went, Hey, I want to talk to my son and I'll, I'll want to FaceTime him. I'm like, is that like an over 40 thing? You don't call or text, you just FaceTime. But my, my mom and dad, they do that. We talk to them quite a bit and we're, we are, and probably like you are, uh, you're thankful for technology. Thankful for technology so that you can talk to people that are far away from you. You can stay connected with family members that maybe aren't in this area. And so we, we love that, but there's nothing better. And we experienced it a little bit this past week. There's nothing better than sitting across the table or sitting in your living room with a cup of coffee and your family and just with no agenda, just chatting. And whether that conversation takes an hour, five hours, there's just, there's nothing like in person, face to face, over a cup of coffee, communication with the people that we love the most. In fact, for some of you, that's how your marriage started. It started with, man, just over a drink, over a cup of coffee, just communicating in person. And, and, and that's kind of how the whole thing started for you. For some of you, it's why you're looking forward to the holidays. You're looking forward to connecting with some of your family members. Yeah, you get to see them over FaceTime or Zoom, or you, you keep up with them a little bit on social media. But, but you know, man, it's, it's going to be fun to just sit in a room with them and communicate. Because here, here's what we all know. Healthy communication breeds healthy relationships. Whether that's your family or not, healthy communication breeds healthy relationships. And for some, maybe you're watching online or you're here this morning, for, for some of us, man, it's, you, you felt the kind of other side of that. For, for some of us, you've felt what it, you, you've been in a situation where you've been impacted by unhealthy communication. You, you've been in a home or you've been at a, a place with your family where there wasn't a lot of healthy communication. And, and as much as healthy communication impacts healthy relationships, you've felt what unhealthy 
communication looks like. In fact, for some of you, you you might point back to some of the greatest hurts that you've experienced, and you might be able to point back to some unhealthy or negative communication that took place in your family, and that's why some of the scars and hurts from your past are there. And so you've experienced both. You've, you've experienced healthy communication and you've seen how healthy communication is so important to healthy relationships. But probably all of us have also experienced what unhealthy, negative, hurtful communication feels like. And we've experienced those hurts and we've experienced what that, how that impacts our life. But, but here's what I know about you and you know about me. No matter whether you've experienced unhealthy communication in your family or whether you've always had healthy communication, no matter kind of where you are, no matter what part, uh, uh, what kind of role you play in your family, every single one of us wants to be a person that helps our family thrive. None of us wants to be the person that hurts people that we love dearly. We, whether we're, we've experienced it in our past or not, we, we don't set a goal to like, hey, I hope I'm the person in the family that, man, hurts people with my words and is the one that's always negative and the one that, that people avoid even talking to because of what I say. Now, none of us wants to be that person. In fact, we want to be the person that, man, helps our family thrive. We, we want to help our family thrive. And it's, it's why we, over the past few weeks, is we've been in this series talking about what it looks like to win at home. Whether you're the son, whether you're the daughter, whether you're the grandparent, you're the wife, you're the husband, doesn't matter what role you play in the family, what does it look like to really win at home? What does it look like to set up our family for God's best? And we started, if you were with us a few weeks ago, we started by asking probably the, the, the two most important questions kind of on the journey to setting up our family for God's best. There were two questions kind of at the front end of that discussion that were really important that we answer, and we didn't. Here's the first question we asked. The first question was this, what is God's goal for my family? If we're going to try to set up our family for God's best... It's probably important that we have the answer to this question. And so we asked that a few weeks ago. We asked, hey, so what is God's goal? What does God want to see happen in my family? And we said this based on Romans 8, 29, that, that his goal is that our family become more like Jesus. So, so if you're the dad, God's goal for your kids is that they look more like Jesus. If you're the kid, God's goal for your mom, for your aunt, for your grandma is that over time they become more like Jesus. That's what God's goal is. But then we ask ourselves a second question that was, it's really important to the front end of this discussion, and it was this. How does God measure progress? Like, if God's goal for my family is that they look more like Jesus, and, and I play a part in that... How does God measure progress? Like, is this a point system? Like, if, if my, my, my dad makes good decisions morally, do I get some points? If my dad makes bad decisions morally, do I lose points? 
If my kid marries a Christian, is that like extra points? If they don't marry, I mean, like, how how does God measure progress? Is it all about results? And we said this, it has nothing to do with results. Because at the end of the day, you and I have no control over the results. We can want for our family the best for them. We can put them in a position for God's best. But at the end of the day, each person has to make a decision. And so it's, it's not up to us to manufacture results. And God doesn't hold us accountable for results. What God holds us accountable for and what he measures is faithfulness. Are we faithful with what he puts in front of us? Are we faithful? And we, we've, we've talked about some of those things that we need to be faithful in. And today, we're, we're going to talk about one of the, the, the areas that if we're going to position our family for God's best, whether you're the kid, whether you're the dad, whether you're the grandma, one of the things that's so important for us to be faithful in, one of those areas is this area of communication. And, and as, as we make decisions to be faithful in this area of communication, it puts our family in a position for God's best. Jesus, he, he talked a lot about communication. In fact, he said this, probably one of the most convicting verses in all of Scripture, just to start off strong for you, just to, to give you some things to look forward to. Here's a, probably one of the most convicting verses in all of Scripture, and Jesus talks about communication. He says this, In Matthew chapter 12, verse 34, for the mouth speaks from the overflow of the heart. Don't you, I I wish this last line wasn't there sometimes because I'd love to be able to blame what I say on something besides what's going on in my heart. And you probably would too. It's like, can I, can I blame the guy that cut me off in traffic? Can I blame the, the long day at work? Can I blame the, hey, 25 years ago, my dad never told me that he loved me. Can, can, I blame, can I blame something else for why I'm a jerk to people with my mouth? I'd love to have something else to blame. But Jesus, kind of on the, as he was talking, Jesus was always kind of a straight shooter. Hey, for the mouth speaks from the overflow of the heart. Jesus was always concerned with the heart. And not only did Jesus talk about this, but other New Testament writers wrote a lot about communication. In fact, Jesus' brother James, he he took a whole section of his letter in James chapter 3, and he talked about our words and the impact of our words. Paul, he also wrote a lot about communication and the impact of our words. And and in Ephesians, there's a a letter that Paul wrote. He he wrote it to a a group of people in the city of Ephesus. And about two-thirds through his letter, he begins to talk to them about, hey, because of what God has done on the inside, let me tell you how that should affect your communication on the outside. And Paul, he wrote about that. And I want, to, I want to look at this, and I want you to think about this question. And we'll address this question again later, but I just want you to kind of mentally think about this question, whether you're a follower of Christ or whether you're somebody that's investigating faith. Maybe you're not sure what you believe. This is a question for all of us, and here's, here's the question. Does my communication help or hinder my family? Easy question. Just just think about it. 
Doesn't matter what role you play in your family. Doesn't matter if you're the dad, you're the kid, you're the uncle, you're the grandma. Does, does my communication help or hinder my family from seeing what God has for them, from being into God's best? And, and so think about that question as we look at what Paul says as he talks to us very practically about what it looks like to be changed on the inside and how that affects our words and what goes on in the outside. He says this in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 20. He begins by reminding these people about what's happened on the inside. He says this, but this, this is not how you came to know Christ, assuming you heard about him and were taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. Basically what he's saying, he's saying, hey, you, you know Jesus personally, you've embraced the truth, and as a result, he's about to say, hey, something has happened on the inside. Here's what he says. To take off your former way of life, the old self that is corrupted by deceitful desires. Because of what's happened on the inside, something's starting to happen on the outside. You, you've taken some things off. And he says this, and, and not only have you taken off some of the old life and some of the destructive things in your, in your life, but then he says this. To be renewed in the spirit of your minds. This, this word renewed is the same word we would use to say to renovate. So for instance, and we have some construction people in, even in our, our church. If you're going to go into a home and, and, and you, you're hired or you have a job or, or it's at your house and you're going to try to do it yourself and save money, uh, which we've all done made, made that mistake before. Uh, and then we call somebody that's professional and come fix our problem. But, but if, if you've had that happen, you'd say, all right, hey, there's some things in our house that are old. There's some things that are broken down. There's some things that you might even say are ugly or they're all, you know, and, and we're going to renovate. And so what does renovate mean? It means we're going to take out all the old. We're going to remove the, the bad, but we're not going to just leave it that way. We're not going to just remove all the bad. We're actually going to put new things in. And so Paul, as he's writing to these people, he says, hey, because of your relationship with Christ, because you've embraced the truth, God has done something inside of you. He's helped you begin to take off some of the old and, and get those old cabinets out and pull up that old carpet. But then he's also helped you begin to renew or renovate, put some things that are good and healthy in his way into your mind and into your heart. He's helped you renovate. And then he says this, and to put on the new self, the one created according to God's likeness in righteousness and purity and the truth. So he's, he's talked about this, hey, this is what's happened on the inside. And then what he does is he says, okay, now that I've reminded you about what's happened on the inside, let me talk to you about how this affects your communication. So he says this. He says, therefore, putting away lying, speak the truth, each one to his neighbor, because we are members of one another. Paul says, hey, because of what's happened on the inside, be honest. He says, he says man, Quit, quit lying. Quit, put away lying. Just like you're taking out the old cabinets, man. Take out lying and put in truth. Put in speaking the truth. Be honest. And here's the thing. 
No, no matter how insignificant we think it is, not telling the truth is lying. And when we lie, even about small things, what we're doing in our family is we're chipping away at trust. We're, we're a dad, we're a son, we're a grandma, we're a grandpa, and we, we think, oh, this isn't a big deal. I'm just going to not quite tell the truth. What happens is we're beginning to just chip away at the trust in our family. And here's the thing. We position our families for God's best when our communication is characterized with integrity. When we lie to our family, even if we consider it, oh, this is small. Basically, what we're doing is we're saying, hey, I'm going to put myself first. I'm going to be selfish. And instead of telling you the truth, I'm going to lie to you and set you up for hurt in the future. And, and here's the thing. Some of you get this because you live in a home where you don't trust the people you live with. Or, or you grew up in a home where, man, you, you didn't even trust the people that you lived with. And, and you know how that hurt you. You know what that did to your family. And so you know what it's like, man. You know what it's like to be lied to by people that are supposed to love you the most. And, and this is Paul saying, hey, because of what's happened on the inside, I want you to be honest. I want you to put away lying. And I want you to speak the truth. I want you to have integrity in your words. Because when you do, you set your family up for God's best. When you lie to your family, you set your family up for hurt in the future. And so Paul says, hey, be honest. But he goes on in verse 26 and he, he kind of continues just real practically laying out how what's happened on the inside should affect our communication on the outside he says this he says be angry and do not sin don't let the sun go down on your anger you, you if you're you're new to church or you're new to maybe the bible you think man did did i just read that right did, did god tell me to be angry that's exactly what he said. He said, be angry and do not sin. So, so Chris, you're telling me that being angry is okay with God? Yeah, in some, in some instances. God was pretty angry at some things. And, and we should be angry at the things that make God angry. We should be angry when people are hurt. We should be angry when we see injustice in our world God's angry at that and so Paul says hey be angry be be hurt by the things that hurt God be angry but do not sin and then he says this don't let the sun go down on your anger and don't give the devil an opportunity because of what's happened on the inside, I want you to be honest. But then he says this, I want you to solve problems quickly. See, we, we don't help our family. If you're a, a kid, you don't help your family by pushing a problem down the street. If you're a mom, you're a grandpa, you're a dad, we don't help our family by not dealing with problems and then just putting them off. 
Paul says, hey, there, there's some things that, that, that you have that are going on. You need to deal with those. He says it this way. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. Deal with problems. Deal with them the right way. Because unsolved problems can quickly lead to bitterness. And they give the enemy, and Paul said it, they give the enemy a foothold. See, when we are focused on what's best for our families, we solve problems quickly. We don't go weeks. We don't have discussions like, hey, I haven't talked to so-and-so in five years because of... No, 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 no. As best we can. And again, sometimes we can't because of the other person. But as much as it depends on us, the scriptures say, we are at peace with all men and women. We've done our part to solve problems. Because, again, we can't control what other people do. We can't control if other people move into God's best, but we can put them in a position for God's best by solving problems quickly. See, when we're afraid to have uncomfortable conversations, we're literally giving the enemy a foothold. I I thought of it like this. You remember when you were a little kid? And maybe you and your, your buddies were out. At least this is what me and my buddies would do. And and you were climbing a tree, or you wanted to get over a fence, and, and it was too high. It was too hard to get to. Somebody in the group would say, hey, I'll give you a boost. And we would, you know, put our hands together, kind of lock our hands in, and they'd be like all over us. We're trying to give them a little boost, trying to help them get over the fence, trying to help them get to the, the, the branch that they can pull on and, and help themselves up. We're, we're giving them a boost. And here's what Paul's saying. When you don't solve problems quickly, here's what you're doing with Satan. You're giving Satan a boost to help him hurt your family. You're, you're, you're giving him an opportunity. You're saying, hey, oh, you, you need to get over this fence to hurt my family? Well, let me give you a boost. We're, we're going to give you, a, let me help you move towards hurting my family more. Let, oh, oh, my family's up the tree. Let me, let me help you, Satan. Let me help you get up there. Let me give you an opportunity by not dealing with problems. Let, let me be a wimp and not deal with problems and let my family get hurt. And that, that's basically what Paul's saying. When we don't deal with problems, when we don't have conversations that are truthful with our family, when we're not open to those conversations ourselves, when our kids can't approach us with stuff, We're saying, hey, Satan, come here, buddy. Let let me help you get up and hurt my family. Let me give you an opportunity. And Paul, he's he's concerned about this. He's he's dealing with these people in Ephesus, and and they're part of a small church, and their families are a part of this church, and, and he wants them to know that, hey, because of Jesus, not because you're a good person, not because you're so disciplined, but because of what Jesus has done in your heart, You can communicate in a healthy way. You can be honest. You can solve problems quickly. But but then he goes on in verse 28. He says this. Let the thief no longer steal. Instead, he is to be, he is to do, he is to do honest work with his own hands so that he has something to share with anyone in need. He's, he says this, and he's about to compare. He says, hey, instead of being a thief, instead of being a taker, a thief needs to change and be a giver. Don't take, give. He, he says that. But then he, he says this. He kind of 
compares this and pulls back into the focus on communication. He says this, let no foul language. Your translation might say corrupt communication. So when I worked on, uh, I worked at a camp, Word of Life Island, when I was in high school. I worked in the kitchen. If you've ever worked in a kitchen, one of the jobs you don't want is dealing with compost. If you have that job, you probably are uh, on the bottom of the rung as far as the, the team there. You're the new guy. You're the new girl. Well, at Word of Life Island, this camp I worked at, we had compost buckets. And, and this camp with hundreds and hundreds of kids that would come every week, man, they would take their trays with kind of the food they didn't want. And they would take it to the dish pit. And, and the dish pit would take those, all the extra stuff and kind of dump it into these compost buckets with drink. And with, I mean, it was just nasty. And then they were the heaviest things that you would have to drag these compost buckets out to the trash area and they would reek and like slop would be coming out on you. It was just nasty. And every now and then, because we were high school and middle school boys, we would do some stupid stuff. Every now and then somebody would get bet. And you know where this is going. I'm sorry what this is going to do for your lunch later. But, but you, would, you would get bet to like take a taste out of the compost bucket. And of course, like, who's not going to do that if you get dared to when you're a middle school boy? It's like, of course, give me a cup full. I don't care. <laughs> you know, you're, you're throwing up on the side, but you're going to do it if your boys are around you. And, and so we would. I mean, it was stupid. But what was in those buckets, that, that, that nasty, spoiled, wet, just, I mean, COVID, I mean, COVID wasn't even heard of back then, so nobody cared about that. It was just nasty. And this is what Paul says, this foul language, this, he's thinking about spoiled, corrupt, dirty, rotten food. He says, don't let any foul language, it shouldn't come from your mouth, but only what is good for building up someone in need so that it gives grace to those who hear. He's saying, hey, your words, they're powerful. And they should be used to encourage instead of attack. See, our words, he, he, our words are a delivery system. They're conduits of grace. Your, our words are, are, are the delivery system for grace. They're, they shouldn't be the delivery system for weapons. And Paul says this as he's talking to them about, hey, something's happened on the inside. And so that should affect what happens on the outside, your words. And he says, you should use your words to encourage instead of using your words as weapons. See, our families, again, no matter what role you play in your family, our families should feel encouraged they should feel cared for, and ultimately, they should be pointed to Christ by what we say. This doesn't mean that we don't have hard conversations. It means that even when we do have tough things to talk about, we, we do it in a way that's the, our goal is the best for the other person. Our goal is to help the other person look more like Jesus by having this conversation, even if it's a tough conversation. But here's what we're tempted to, and let's just all be honest. We all struggle with this. We're tempted to hurt people with our words because we've been hurt. And so it's, it's sad and awful, but we all do it. It seems like we hurt the people we care about the most because we've been hurt 
by someone else. And, and, and Paul says, hey, because of what's taken a place on the inside, I want you to use your words, not as weapons to attack, but I want you to use your words to encourage. Like, like the thief who goes from taking to giving, Paul encourages us to stop tearing down and start building up with our words. And he says it this way. He says, give grace. So what is grace? What does that mean when it comes to words? It means give them what they have not earned. So think about it. People in your family, people you love the most, maybe they have been a jerk to you. Maybe they have done something that hurt you. Maybe in your mind, they deserve to be talked to in a way that's mean, angry, whatever you want to say. Paul says, you know what? Give grace. With your words, give them what they haven't earned. Maybe in your mind they haven't earned gracious speech. Maybe in your mind they haven't earned encouragement. Maybe in your mind, and you fill in the blank, they haven't earned healthy communication from you. But Paul says, because of what's happened on the inside of you, give grace. Give people what they haven't earned with your words. Give grace. Encourage instead of attack. And then Paul, what he does, he kind of closes a section with a, a pretty familiar verse. It's a verse that even if you haven't grown up in church, you've probably heard the, the kind of the back end of this passage. He says this, he says this, he says, and don't grieve God's Holy Spirit. So, so what does the word grieve mean? It means hurt. So just like our words can hurt our family, our words literally can hurt God's spirit, can grieve him. He says, don't, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. You were sealed by him for the day of redemption. Don't grieve him because the Holy Spirit is your seal. He's the down payment. When God said, hey, when you become a follower of me, when you start a relationship with Jesus, you have a home in heaven. You are with me for eternity. Oh, and by the way, I'm going to seal that agreement. I'm going to give you a down payment on that agreement. And that's the Holy Spirit that's going to live inside you. He's the seal. He's the down payment. And so, hey, don't grieve. Don't hurt. God's Holy Spirit. He's your seal. He's the down payment that God's made for your eternity. And then he goes on. He says, let all bitterness, anger, and wrath, shouting and slander be removed from you, along with all malice. He talks about reactions. He talks about all the things that you and I don't have to work at. These are the things that come normal. These are the things that come natural. These are, we don't have to think about these things. This is when we're in the flesh, these are things that just happen. He says, remove them. And then he says, verse 32, this is that verse that you've probably heard. He says, instead of those things, he says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another if they deserve it. No. He says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another 
just as God also forgave you in Christ. It's like, drop the mic there. But they did, but they, well, you did a lot of stupid stuff too, and God forgave you. So, but, 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 no, just the way God forgave you when you were living in sin, when you were giving God the finger, when you were an enemy of God, when you were doing everything that, that was against God, when you were running from him and he still said, I love you, I forgive you, not because you deserve it, but because I love you. He says, that way, that forgiveness, that's the way I want you to forgive others. Basically what Paul's saying is because of what's happened inside of you, I want you to act instead of react. Because, man, we don't, like I said earlier, we don't have to work at, at malice, bitterness, and, and all those things that he mentioned. Those are things that, man, they, they, we're just, we just react that way if we're not careful. I mean, there have been times in my, my life, several times in my life as a parent, as a dad, that I've been in it kind of talking to my, my kids. Usually this would be me and my son at some point. And we'd be, we'd be hashing something out. And I would say something like, terrible. And you'd be like, You're not, if some of the stuff I'd say, you'd be like, a pastor even knows those words? I'm like, I know this one does. But yeah, and I'd say something like, where did that come from? And I'd have to apologize later because this stuff just comes natural. These, these reactions, they come natural. But Paul says, hey, I want you to act, not react. That's what's going to help you set your family up for God's best. See, these other responses like kindness, compassion, forgiveness, they don't come natural, but they're what's best for our families. It's why, if you were here with us last week, we talked about how the foundation of all of this is intimacy with Jesus. It's faithfulness in our walk with God. Be because I, I don't know about you, but man, without a close walk with God, man, I have a lot of trouble. I, I mean, I struggle with using my words in a way that pleases God and sets my family up for God's best. And, and that's why that foundation is so important. And so I want you to think about, and you're like, I don't really want to think about this, but do it, because we're all going to do it, so it's going to be bad for all of us. Think about last week. Think about your last week. Think about, you know, how you communicated with your family. And, and as you think about last week, as painful as it might be, have you found yourself doing a lot of reacting in your communication? Do you kind of look back at this last week and think, oh, man, I was kind of harsh with my tone on that one. And, man, there were some real impatient responses. And, oh, there were some things I said that, man, were not good. I raised my voice and, and shouldn't have done that. If we're honest, probably every single one of us would say, you know what? Yeah, definitely there was a couple times last week eh, didn't do great in that area. And again, if you're watching online or you're here, this, no one's perfect in this room. No one's perfect that's watching. And so probably if we're honest, every single one of us could look back over the last few weeks and say, you know what? Yeah, there's some growth I need in that area. And here's, here's what, how, how I wanna, want you to think about, because here's what I know. No matter who you are, no matter what role you play in your family, no matter kind of where you stand as it relates to faith, I'm assuming 
that you want what's best for your family, that, that you want to position your family for God's best. Again, that's an assumption, but I, I think that's a, probably a pretty easy assumption that, hey, no one's in the room saying, man, I hope by the end of the week I can destroy my family. No, I think everybody's like, hey, man, I want what's best for my family. I, I want to position my family with my words and my actions. I want to do what I can do to position my family for God's best. So, so here's the simple truth, whether we like it or not. The way I communicate impacts my family spiritually and emotionally. Whether I like it or not, whether I buy into the whole God thing or not, at the end of the day, the way I communicate impacts my family. Spiritually, emotionally, other ways too. So we, and we've said this before, we, we don't control how our families end up. We don't control their choices. We don't control whether they move into what God has for them. We don't control that. But what we do control and what we can do is we can position our family for God's best by how we communicate. And if you don't believe me, read the Old Testament. Because all throughout the Old Testament, they're taught, hey, talk to your family about this. Remind your family of this. It, constantly talking about communication with the family. And again, the, the dads and the moms, they, they couldn't control what the next generation could do, but they could position their family for God's best. And so constantly they're being reminded throughout the Old Testament to communicate truth, tell the story of what God did and, and communicate it. Because our communication affects our family spiritually and emotionally. So here's the question. I asked you this question earlier, and just, just be honest. Does my communication help or hinder my family? Just think, just think, be honest about your own life. Like, do my words give life or do they suck life? Does my communication encourage or discourage does what I say help my family look more like Jesus or push them farther away? Like, does my communication help or hinder my family? Again, doesn't matter what role you play in your family. It's a question for all of us. And, and again, we, we just have to be honest. And, and if you're like most of us, you would probably say, There's, I could probably grow in this area a little bit. I, I could grow. And so let me, let me close. Let me give you three quick things that I think will help us grow in this area if you're interested in it. The, the first thing is, as we think about growing in our communication and, and being more helpful in our communication, real quickly, the first one is this. Start with the heart. Jesus said it. He said it this way. He said, man, what comes out of your mouth starts with your heart. So before you get so focused on your mouth, man, start with your heart. Is there something going on in your heart that you need to deal with, with God or with other people in your family that is affecting your communication? Start with the heart. The second thing is, hey, ask for help. From God, obviously, man, God, I don't have this down. God, I hurt my family with my words. God, I need help in this area. God resists the proud. He gives grace to the humble. So ask for help. But then ask for help from people with skin on. And, and I've, I've had this happen. 
I've, I've asked for help in this area. I've had other people ask me for help in how they communicate with their family. I've asked for help in this area over the years. Hey, I, I'm just impatient with my family. I am short with my family, with my words. I don't use my words graciously the way I should. I've asked for help from people with skin on. And I've had other people sit down with me and say, hey, Chris, I struggle with anger and it affects what I say. And I, I, I need help with this. I don't want my kids to grow up thinking they have just a dad that's always angry with them. Ask for help. Ask for accountability. Ask someone to just encourage you in this area. Because, man, we, we need help in these areas. None of us are perfect. And then the last thing is renovate your mind. As you're asking God to help and as you're maybe surrounding yourself with some, some guys or gals that can just encourage you, maybe hold you accountable in this area. Man, do, do the work. Do the Sometimes discipline and, and hard work of saying, you know what? I've got a lot of old cabinets in my brain. I've got a lot of old stuff in my brain. I've got to get some of that stuff out and I've got to put some new things in. So I'm going to set aside some time to spend with God. I'm going to set aside some time to pick out some passages that really speak to this. And I'm going to memorize these passages so that, man, I can think on these passages throughout the day. Because I need my mind to be renovated if I'm going to communicate in a way that sets my family up for God's best. Proverbs 18 says it this way, and we'll end with this. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. We don't want to probably go this far with stuff. We don't like to think that our words have that big of an effect. But, but the, the writer of Proverbs went that far. He says, your, your words can give life or they can kill. They can hurt. They can kill confidence. They can kill a lot of different things in someone's life. And may your family and mine remember us as people who used our words to give life. Let's pray. God, I thank you for your word. And Lord, every single one of us, unless we're just not honest, every single one of us, could use help in this area. Lord, probably as, as I know, as I thought back over my week, and I'm sure as those here or those watching or listening thought over their week, every single one of us has struggled in this area. Every single one of us looks back and over the years we've said things we regret. We've probably hurt people with our words, whether we meant to or not. And God, we, we're asking for your help. We, we desperately want to set our families up for what your best is. If you're, you're here this morning and with just every head bowed and every eye closed, or maybe you're watching online, and maybe you're somebody that at some point in your life you've followed Jesus. You, you made a decision at some point in your life to accept that Jesus died for your sin, that he rose from the grave, and you started a relationship with God, and, and you, you know that. You're a follower of Jesus. You're not perfect, but you, you know that you're a follower of Jesus. And, and just like you and I need Jesus for eternity, 
We need Jesus for this area of our life. And so as just we close with every head bowed and every eye closed, is there one step? Is there one step of obedience that you could take to help you communicate in a healthy way to your family? Is there one thing that as you think about your own life, as you think about your family, whether you're the son, you're the daughter, you're the grandma, grandpa, mom, dad, no matter what role you play, is there one thing that you could do, one step you could take to communicate in a more healthy way with your family? For you, it may be, hey, there's a, just an area of forgiveness I just need to deal with. For you, it might be, hey, I've just been putting some wrong things into my mind and and it's affecting what I say. And so I've just got to change some of the things that I'm putting into my mind. Maybe for you, it's, hey, I I need to ask for help. I've just kind of been trying to handle this and manage this for a few years. And I just need to ask somebody to help me in this area. Maybe it's another step. But whatever that is, would you just be willing to take one step? Just one step towards communicating in a way that's healthy with the people you love the most. Maybe you're here, you're, you're watching online, and, and you would say, Chris, I'm, I'm not a follower of Jesus. I'm, I'm not really sure what I believe about the whole Bible thing. I've kinda in, I'm kind of investigating faith. Maybe that's where you find yourself. And, and for you, if you were willing to take a step, the first step would be to start a relationship with Jesus. You say, Chris, do I have to like have all the Bible figured out and understand it all before I make that decision? No. Here's what you got to know. You got to know that you need Jesus, that you're sinful, that you've disobeyed God like we all have. You got to be willing to admit that. You got to be willing to believe that when Jesus died on the cross and rose from the grave, that he died to pay for your sin and for my sin, that he took the payment. And then you just got to ask. You got to ask, hey, God, come into my life. Change me from the inside out. God, I need you. If you're here this morning or you're watching online and you'd say, Chris, that's, that's, that's me, man. I, I'm not a follower of Jesus yet, but man, I, I want to take that step. How would I do it? Well, you just, like I said, just talk to God, not out loud. But just tell God what you are saying in your heart. We, we call that prayer. We just tell God what we believe in our heart. And we call that prayer. Just quietly, just between you and God, just say, God, I admit to you, I've disobeyed you. I admit to you, I've done things my own way. I've sinned. Just tell him. Just admit it. Then just tell him, just between you and God, just say, God, I, I believe that Jesus died on the cross and rose from the grave to pay for my sin. He took the punishment I deserved. Just tell God. Tell Him what you believe. And then just ask, God, come into my life. Change me from the inside out. I want a relationship with you today. Just tell Him. If you're here this morning or you're watching online and you made a decision to follow Jesus, to start a relationship with God, would you just let us know by, if you're watching online, you can go to citywalk.cc. There's a 
decision card right there you can fill out. We'd love to rejoice with you. If you're here with us this morning, there's a card that literally says decision right in front of you. Just fill that out, drop it in the offering basket or take it to next steps. We would just love to know and rejoice with you. I would guess there's a few people here that say, Chris, man, I'm I'm tired of hurting my family. Tired of hurting my family. I I just need help. I just need some people to pray for me. There's a couple things you can do as we close. There's a prayer card right in front of you. It's private. And if you just say, Chris, would would you and a few of the staff, would you just pray for me this week in this area? Just fill that card out and drop it in the offering basket. We will commit to pray for you. Maybe for you, you'd say, man, I'd love to pray with someone right now. Well, as the band begins to sing and we stand and sing here in a second, Both Steve and Julie are down front, and they're just down here to pray with you if you want prayer. And so whatever God's saying to you, whatever that step is for you, I've just asked that, man, I hope that you'll take that step so that you can position your family for God's best. Let's stand.